Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Whatever job you need to do out there, grab the right tool to get it done. The new F-150 with an available hybrid engine and up to 7.2 kilowatts of pro power on board to power things on the go. It's not a tool you'll hang in a tool shed, but you can certainly use it to build one. The new 2024 Ford F-150. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024. Optional features the owner's manual for important operating instructions. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. It's disgusting. You know what I mean? Um, but this is this is what this is who we are. You know what I mean? This is this is what's going on. You know, uh, and it's been incited. And um, people can't be surprised by what's happening because it's been kind of provoked for a long time. And um, it's here now. Um, and it's not being met with the same um, outrage and the same anger as, as other things that have, other protests and things that have, have happened, you know, over the last recent months. Um, I'm praying for everyone involved, you know, for safety. You know, I, I believe they said some people were shot, injured. So, you know, praying for the best outcome possible in those situations. But, uh, you know, like I said, it's, it's, uh, it's been provoked for a while. You know, so um, just hoping we can get peace at some point. That was Dwayne Brown, Seahawks tackle, addressing the events of January 6, 2021. One of those dates that will join a short list of Not good dates in American history. Don't know how else to put it. We'll look back on January 6, 2021 in horror and disbelief for years to come. Fortunately, the death toll was far lower than it could have been. Some would say far lower than it should have been. That's the core of the concern that's going to be articulated by NFL players and other athletes now and in the coming days and weeks. When you see the images yesterday of an insurrection, and that's exactly what it was. It was an insurrection against the government of the United States. You see the Capitol building sworn, swarmed excuse me, on one of the most important days for what happens inside, the certification of a presidential election. If those protesters slash insurrectionists slash terrorists had been anything other than white, what would have happened yesterday? It's a fair question that's been raised over and over again. They would have been arrested, killed, or somewhere in between if it had been black or brown protesters, terrorists, insurrectionists. And it ultimately was an insurrection, it was, and it was incited by the highest level of our government. And we need to call it what it is. This is no longer politics. This is an attack on our country that was instigated from within. And it built over time, and we saw it coming. We knew it was coming. We knew it. I don't it. know how exactly. anyone was surprised by it, it yesterday. For six months, eight months. I mean, yes, go ahead. Sorry. Ever since, ever since the election results were proclaimed by multiple media outlets that waited too long to do it because I think they knew deep down what the reaction was going to be by the person who lost, this plan was put in place. And the ultimate Hail Mary was yesterday's March to save America. That's what the sign said as the president of our United States was speaking to the mob that ultimately was unleashed on the Capitol. This is no longer about politics. This is about accountability. 
the person who holds the office of president of the United States is a clear and present danger to our national security. Twitter shut him down. The bad news is he still has the nuclear codes, but Twitter, Facebook, Instagram shut him down. That's how over the top it was. This was incited. This was an insurrection that was incited by the president of the United States, whether he's Democrat, Republican, independent, or some other party, it doesn't matter. It was incited. And it was incited over a period of time with constant promotion of baseless conspiracy theories and fraudulent and false claims of a stolen election. They exhausted all opportunities in the court system to overturn the election, so they turned to this. He turned to this. Now, our mission today is eventually get to football, but I think it would be impossible to not acknowledge something that shows such a fundamental flaw, Chris, in our current government, society, civilization that has many of the things that we have taken for granted over the years on the brink right now. Yeah, well, it's it's troubling. There's no other way to say it. I mean, I'm, I'm here today. You heard me before we went on air. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's exhausting. It's sad. I don't want to even talk about it because it's so exhausting. It hurts you. It hurts me as an American to my core. But I, I mean, honestly, this person who's been the president has been doing that for two years to me. So uh, I guess I'm kind of conditioned to it. But still, the state of our country, where, are, where we're at, Mike, the way it looked yesterday, you know, you bring it up. Yeah, the way it looks as compared to oh, a bunch of white protesters with guns and everything like that doesn't seem to be nearly, you know, matched with the kind of force when the Black Lives Matter was going on. And they weren't trying to break into buildings or the or Congress or the government or anything like that. So so many different things to to, you know, be disappointed in. And, um, you know, I think the thing that's that's more annoying about this than anything is this wasn't even real. It's there's. There's no show us facts. It's disrespectful to hundreds of judges and other people who have been true Americans that we're just going to go, no, we're not going to listen to you. We're going to do what we want. He won the election. I won the election. And that's it. And that's where it's just really uh, scary right now. And I think part of the problem is people sign on to these ideologies almost like they sign on to a sports team and they they, they hold it so close and they never let it go and they can't be wrong. And this is, look, the product of a lot of dysfunction and acrimony within who we are and how we interact. This is where it leads because it creates an environment where someone, for his own selfish interest, and the selfish interest is very simple, folks. And, and I understand that some of you are still under his spell and that's okay. I get it. I understand that it may take a while to wash that off of your brain. But this is a guy who fears that when he leaves the Oval Office, he inevitably will end up in prison for things that he and his family members have done that have not been fully investigated and prosecuted because he enjoys immunity while he's still the president. So he wants to be the president for as long as he can be the president. So the goal here was to find a way to steal the thing that he claims was stolen from him so he doesn't face prison once he's out of the Oval Office. So if you're going to risk, Chris, engaging in activities that may set you up for a potential prison term, hey, I'm already potentially going to prison. I'll commit insurrection. I'll incite insurrection against the United States. Who cares? What's another 10 years on top of what I'm already facing? And that's the statute that everyone should read. You know, when something like this happens, we're like, well, what's going to, who's going to be charged? Who's going to be arrested? And, and, and I hope that they use every surveillance camera out there and they find every person who was involved in yesterday's insurrection and they charge them and prosecute them and imprison them to the fullest extent of the law, including the people who incited it. 115 USC section 2383, whoever incites, sets on foot, assists, or engages in any rebellion or insurrection against the authority of the United States or the laws thereof, or gives aid or comfort thereto, shall be fined under this title or imprisoned not more than 10 years or both, and shall be incapable of holding any office of these United States, period. That's the roadmap 
for every district attorney out there who has jurisdiction over what occurred, how it was planned. Is there a conspiracy to commit this insurrection? There's so much for the legal system to unpack, and I hope they do it. Because here's 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 why, Chris, and then, and then I'll shut up and let you it's talk. It's okay. I'm I'm all right. I'm listening. This is good. Here, here here's why. The next time we see a Jacob Blake video, the next time we see a George Floyd video where justice is dispensed by a police officer who serves as judge, jury, and executioner in the moment, or attempted executioner in the case of Jacob Blake, the the argument is the police should stand down and let the justice system do its job. And when it comes to black or brown people who are charged with crimes, the justice system always does its job. It never fails to do its job. It does its job too much. So in this case, when there is clear and obvious and overwhelming evidence of an insurrection against our government committed by a large group of predominantly white terrorists, and they didn't get mowed down with M-16 fire on the steps of the Capitol as black or brown insurrectionists would have been. They lived to see the end of their insurrection. Now the justice system needs to do what it in, in undoubtedly would have done to any of the insurrectionists if they were of a different skin color who had managed to somehow survive yesterday's insurrection well yeah i mean that i think that's the most troubling or one of the most troubling things there's a lot you know first off yes it's it's a president that's me first he's never cared about america in any shape or form away i mean he's it's everything about him and i i know you're right i don't know a lot of people got tricked under that spell it's it's unbelievable i don't they don't really know facts of situations you know, I, I see that a lot on social media. Oh, well, it's OK for the left to march and riot. But it, well, first of all, it's not even apples to apples. What, what are we talking about? Black people, people who were supporting people of color were marching because how much visual evidence do we have of um, unarmed colored people, black people, brown people being killed for no reason? And let me just say, it's still going on. It's been happening the last month. There's four or five more, but we can't keep up. There was a reason to march. There was a real reason. This was not a reason. There was no reason. This was infatuation with a guy who's put me under a spell and lied to me. And all he really cares about is corporate rich white America, not the guy that was marching yesterday, but yet they think that's the, what's going on or that's that's. You know, that's their God. I, and and it's it's very well, confusing to me there. Well, that's where I'm very frustrated about that. And it just shows you how weak we are as a country right now. I mean, we can't even protect the, people, the Congress building. But for the people who signed on to that ideology and, and acted on it, that's the key. You can believe whatever you want to believe. That That's part of the beauty of being an American. You've got freedom of speech, freedom of thought, freedom of everything. No, no, there but this limits. is where, like, insurrection. But, but wait. Insurrection is the limit. Well, yeah, but wait. It's but, one of the limits. But, well, yes, that's one of the limits. But they're believing in nothing factual. And they're being led by our president to say they think it's factual because he tweets it. And yet they're trying to compare that. And, like, yes, it really disturbs me when you look at, pictures from a black lives matter protest and there's a guy fully armored with shotguns and machine guns every yard on every step of the building and then again a bunch of white people march on it and it's it's it was almost like come in let's take selfies i honestly wonder if it was an inside job that's where i'm at like was there were they in cahoots with some people here i mean it was just way too easy it's scary that's a separate issue yeah. that should be investigated along with the full and complete investigation of the insurrection, whether and to what extent there were members of the Capitol Police who may have who may have given aid and comfort. They fall under 115 Section 2383 as well. Anyone who has that badge and has that uniform that made it easier for the insurrectionists to commit insurrection shall be responsible. And that's why I hope. And I pray that the justice system doesn't just say, well, we just need to close the book on this and move on. No, justice should be dispensed without passion or prejudice to those who have violated the laws of our country or those laws become meaningless. And that is what's always waiting 
for black and brown individuals who survived the police interaction. There isn't a, well, you know, this has gone on far enough. We're just going to let it go. No, there's a prosecution. There's an incarceration because you, God forbid, had marijuana in your car or committed some other offense that's trivial in comparison to trying to overthrow the government of the United States. And there's been a lot of terms thrown around, Chris. I want to make sure everybody understands what these terms mean, because when you understand the definition of the terms, you realize that these things are happening and that our president is inciting them. Sedition, conduct or speech inciting people to rebel against the authority of a state or monarch. The president's guilty of sedition. He's incited people to rebel, and they did. We know that he incited them because it worked. We saw what he said yesterday outside the Capitol before the insurrection happened. He incited it. Rudy Giuliani incited it with the phrase trial by combat. Donald Trump Jr. incited it. We're going to come get you. Treason, the crime of betraying one's country, especially by attempting to kill the sovereign or overthrow the government. The actions yesterday were treasonous. One of the penalties for treason is death. Insurrection, a violent uprising against an authority or government. It clearly was an insurrection. It clearly was incited by the president. It does not take a law degree to see what happened yesterday and to understand how our laws apply. And if they do not apply swiftly and decisively, those laws are meaningless, Chris. Yeah, they are. You're right. I, you know, I, I don't even know what to say. I really don't even know what to say anymore, Mike. I really don't. I'm like, I'm so, there's so much I want to say. I don't want to get fired today here on TV. I'm truly flabbergasted. I don't want you to get fired. I know. I know you don't. I know you don't love me, but you kind of like me and doing the show with me. So, yeah, I know. And that's where I'm just I'm trying not to go crazy here and really pour my emotions out. Um, but I'm very frustrated by it. And, yeah, I just feel like there's a lot of me, me, me and no America. And I don't really know what's going on in our world right now, but I'm disappointed and um, I'm glad we got football, at least to take my mind off this damn subject. And, and we'll eventually get to football, I know we but it's our obligation it is. to our audience, to our country and to ourselves to not ignore this and just come on the air and be all bright and cheery and and promote Super Wild Card Weekend. We'll get to that in time. But these are real issues that speak to the heart of who we are, what we are and what we will be as a nation. And as long as it's called the National Football League, serious affairs of our nation are relevant to the National Football League. NFL players spoke out yesterday via Twitter. Let's take a look at some of the things that guys had to say. Allen Robinson today was acts of terrorism and should be treated as such. Amen, Allen Robinson. Yep. That's exactly go, what we've been saying. Devontae Adams, same people that didn't want us kneeling. Never mind face palm emoji. Exactly. And we'll we'll have time to talk about the difference between Colin Kaepernick and actual insurrection. Richard Sherman, there are certain things my brain could never imagine. And one of them is black people storming a government building and taking things without deadly consequences. But that's just my brain. Richard, that's my brain, too. We disagree on some things. We agree on many. Yeah. We agree on that. If it was black or brown insurrectionists, most, if not all of them, would be dead today. Robert Griffin III, the difference in the treatment between races in America is on full display. It absolutely is. And this is the thing that hurts the black and brown American as much as seeing no doubt their community member being killed when you see a white person who ends up being helped down the steps by a Capitol Police officer instead of thrown down the steps violently. That's the difference. Stop it, saying yes. stick to football like that's our only purpose on this earth, said Justin Jefferson. We yeah, football shut players up with have that every crap. right to speak on whatever we feel, no matter the situation. And I think we've all gotten to the point where anyone who says stick to football or stick to sports is saying we don't want you to say something that disagrees with what we believe. Yep. That's all it is. Last one from Des Bryant. Let's keep it real for a moment. I'm just wondering where the tasers and tear gas like they do black people when they are peacefully protesting. Just a thought, not that I promote violence and chaos, but black people could never come out of that alive. I'm hoping real changes can happen for the future of this country because it's an ugly mess right now. And that is the fundamental point because life goes on. And the next video of a black person being shot during a police interaction 
is going to have much different meaning. The next video of tanks rolling down the street to disrupt a peaceful protest, of tear gas being used to clear out Lafayette Square so someone can have a photo op with a Bible he's holding upside down, that's going to have a far different context because insurrectionists stormed the Capitol and were not mowed down in a hail of gunfire. That contrast is stunning and frankly, Chris, I'm surprised the reaction from the sports world, yeah. players and the like, hasn't been stronger. I think as it sinks in, it will be stronger. And I wrote last night at PFT an item calling on owners and commissioners to join in this because this is one of the worst things we have inflicted upon ourselves. I know 9-11 was worse, but that was from outside. Yesterday was the worst day we've had as a country since the Civil War because we inflicted it on ourselves. Yeah, well, I mean, radical white terrorism has become the number one issue in our country. It's it's a white, crazy Americans that act in a terrorist way is the number one threat. It's the people I'm scared of more than anything. And yesterday was the ultimate show of white privilege. If anybody didn't want to believe in white privilege, yesterday proved it. I don't know what else there is to be said about it, Mike. And to me, that's where I'm troubled by this more than anything. When I just look at online at your twit, some of your tweets and the comments underneath, that's where I, I am very angered about the person who continues to try to argue that yesterday was comparable to the Black Lives Matter, mostly peaceful protests. We also have information of a lot of white terrorists going there and burning things on fire to make the black people look like they were doing that. We know that. That's in FBI reports and everything. We know. We know we've seen the trucks with Trump flags and that inciting that kind of stuff at the Black Lives Matter thing. But still, people trying to compare the destruction of yesterday to that is what still really bothers me. And it shows me that there's a group of people out there that really still have no clue. They don't get it. They're totally void of facts of the inform information because they're following it's quite honestly the most narcissistic bad person I've ever seen in my life on Twitter and just taking his word for it. And that to me is what bothers me more than anything, Mike, right now, is that trying to make that apples to apples comparison where, like you said, we have videos and we still have more stories here recently. Yeah, we don't have the videos, but of unarmed black people being shot and killed. Or how about the black teenager who, you know, got accused of stealing the phone. He got that on video. The woman wouldn't let him go. She calls the cops. It's all over our country right now. People don't want to admit that and want to fight that. And some of them want to let yesterday, like, compare that. And that's where I'm very frustrated with that narrative right now to think that's apples to apples is crazy. I agree with you completely. And today is a day where we will have media availability from coaches and players as we get closer to the playoff weekend. Most of the teams have disbanded for the year. 18 are done, but 14 are still going and 12 play this weekend. And here's hoping that those opportunities to speak to reporters include some raw and some real feelings about what we saw yesterday. And here's hoping that Quickly and decisively, the justice system moves to rectify what occurred yesterday. The good news is last night, Congress went back into session and they stayed there until 2.30 in the morning when they completed their work of certifying the election. So it's over and it's done on January 20, whether anyone likes it or not. And there have been presidential outcomes that I've liked and that I haven't liked. But at the end of the day, we have to accept them and move on as a country. January 20. Joe Biden will be the president. Between now and then, hopefully nothing happens like what happened yesterday. Hopefully what happened yesterday is the thing that will wake people up to understand that there are limits to how far we can go and that we must be willing to call an insurrection exactly what it is, an insurrection that should be met on the other side with significant criminal sanctions for everyone involved, including the man who incited it. We're going to take a break. When we return, we will try our best to stick to football, not because you want us to, anyone out there who is screaming stick to football, but because we choose to. We'll be back with more right after this. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. 
From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The Premier League is built on hope. The hope of discovering a new star. It doesn't take long for Darwin Nunez to make an impression. The hope of rewriting history. And the hope of continuing a dynasty. Unstoppable week after week. This is the Premier League on NBC, USA and Peacock. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. It's a world record again! Goal for the United States! Unbelievable! And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this! How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. Olympics this summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. I mean, I'm disappointed for anybody that can't uh, be a part of this, whether due to injury or, or whatever, you know, I'm disappointed for Joel Batonio, obviously. Uh, all of our guys that can't be a part of this uh, is disappointing to me, but uh, we have to find a way, and, and that's what our charge is, and, and that's what we're working on today. This team's not in my image, it's the Cleveland Browns. We've established an identity, we did it. Back in the spring, we told the guys how we were going to play. We made sure that we brought players in here that fit that mold. Uh, and I think the guys uh, understand perfectly how we play and how we win. Um, so it doesn't change regardless of who's on the sideline. The players understand, Dan, uh, that it really doesn't matter uh, who's the head coach on, on Sunday. Kevin Stefanski, Browns coach, who will not be available on Sunday night when the Browns take on the Pittsburgh Steelers for Cleveland's first playoff game in 18 years because Kevin Stefanski tested positive earlier this week for COVID-19. The NFL continues to take the position that there is no outbreak happening within the Browns organization because the NFL Players Association works hand-in-hand with the NFL on these issues. I believe that. These are the result of community spread, these infections, these positives, these close contacts, this unavailability of coaches and players. It will not keep the game from happening unless and until, Chris, there's evidence of an actual outbreak. Yesterday, no new positive tests for the Browns. That's good. But but, but they're still in the incubation period from Sunday sure, when they right, played. Right. Today's day four. You could still have positives today, tomorrow, the next day, Sunday. This could go all the way up to Sunday before they – come to the final conclusion through contact tracing, genomic sequencing, analysis of test results that it's good to go on Sunday night. And it wasn't until mid to late morning on Sunday that the week 17 game between Cleveland and Pittsburgh got the all clear. So this is going to linger for a few days. The preparations continue without Kevin Stefanski directly involved and the Browns are going to have to do the best they can under the circumstances. Wow. This is the ultimate next man up scenario. It is the ultimate next man up scenario. You know, I I mean, I, I do agree with Kevin Stefanski where, you know, we kind of talked about this yesterday. On Sunday, I, I don't think it's going to be like the team's going to be like, oh, man, our head coach isn't out there. We're screwed. We don't know what we're doing. You know, they're going to have everything set forth, the game plan, every all the communication that needs to be done going into a football game, that'll still be there. So we can't forget that. But again, you know, it's the second week in a row where they're missing practice time. And not that you need again you you hear me say this a lot. I don't mean to, you know, beat beat the the drum here, but you know, lack of reps, lack of being able to walk through things. You don't even need full speed reps. But to me, just in my experience personally as a player and even like teammates and other guys Man, just being on the field and walkthroughs and seeing it in person goes a lot farther than on the board, we're going to make this adjustment and do this, and okay, here's a clip of this play, and here's how we do it the right way. Hey, that all helps, but as you know, just like anything, reps are important to get out there and do that, and man, that's where I, just two weeks in a row without, without real reps in practice, that, that's a little worrisome, no doubt about that. Yeah, because they're going against the Steelers team that 
that still has plenty of great players and that right. isn't affected by these issues. They have their head coach. They have all their key players. And They're they practicing will definitely and be ready to go right. on Sunday right. night. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Rams receiver Cooper Cup is off the COVID-19 reserve list. He tested positive last week. The 10 days have expired. He's back. Buccaneers linebacker Shaquille Barrett also off the COVID-19 reserve list. That's good news for those two teams as we go into the weekend. Alvin Kamara, the Saints running back, who when we last saw him wearing one red shoe and one green shoe, scored six touchdowns against the Minnesota Vikings, tested positive last week, missed the Week 17 win over the Panthers. If the Saints-Bears game had been set for Saturday, he wouldn't be available to play. Sunday he is, but it would have to happen without practicing. Here's Drew Brees from yesterday talking about Kamara's ability to play even if he wouldn't have practiced. Everybody has their own formula, you know, um, and and I would say that uh, I think Alvin's going to be just fine, you know. Um, I think it's all it's something all of us have had to deal with at some uh, in some way, you know, whether it be an injury or whatever the whatever the absence is, um, where you've you 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 have to find your way to prepare both physically, mentally, emotionally, leading up to the game, even with limited reps. Look, I can't imagine them not letting Kamara play. You do the mental reps. You do the film study. This guy's a seasoned veteran. He's a pro, and he is highly skilled. He'll be out there on the field, and he'll be part of it. Even if he's ultimately just a decoy, Chris, he's going to be out there. How can you not be out there when the season is riding on it? Uh, Michael Thomas returned to practice yesterday. Big. He was on injured reserve, technically still on injured reserve. Just the window to return to practice is open for him. That will be helpful. Taysom Hill has a concussion. Now, he was limited in practice on Wednesday, and that's confusing to me. I thought maybe he suffered the concussion on Wednesday because that's how you would be limited because if you have a concussion, you're not cleared to practice. Apparently, he suffered a concussion on Sunday. Yeah, they ran left the game little. and nobody ever said what happened. Right, right. right. And, then, and then maybe he's been cleared to practice. They just chose to not go all out with them. But yeah. that's another one that we have to look at and say – Maybe he won't be available on Sunday, and that changes their offense. It takes away that wild card dynamic. No doubt. I mean, all three guys, they're big names right there. They're difference makers, game changers. And the Saints had problems moving the football against the Bears when they played them back in week eight, I believe, right? And, you know, again, this Saints team's different then than now, but it's still a Bears defense that's pretty damn good. And Chuck Pagano, defensive coordinator, who's pretty smart, you know, I watched back that matchup of Week 8 yesterday a little bit. Hey, he was all over some of the Sean Payton, Drew Brees stuff they like to do in the pass game. Kamara out of the backfield was a real issue for the Chicago Bears. They didn't know how to handle him. So that is where Alvin Kamara is so important to their football team. And like we've talked about too, Drew Brees is not going to blow you away with bombs and lasers down the field. He needs Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara, and he will surgically still pick you apart. That's why they're important. And, like, Mike, you're right about the practice stuff. I mean, Alvin Kamara, you know, once you get after out of your, like, rookie year, you know, and really get into year two, three, and all those things, uh, as long as you haven't missed 10 weeks, okay, yeah, then you might need some practice to get back in. But if you missed one or two games, a guy of Alvin Kamara's stature like that practices – it's it's nuanced. Yeah, okay, yeah, little things here and there that you'd like to be able to go out and do. But he's going to understand the game plan, the coaching points that are made of, hey, we want to run the route like this and all that. And I don't think there'll be any issue, and I would expect them to be hitting on all cylinders Sunday. I mean, I look at it this way. A guy who scored six touchdowns the last time we see him who will be playing in a game 16 days later – I think we saw enough right. on December 25th. He won't forget where to go. To know that Alvin, yeah, he'll <laughs> right. know how to that's to, the to, end to zone? run the football. <laughs> right. Hit the hole. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. yeah. You have to you have to physically remove him from the end zone and he may show up in those red and green shoes. I think it will be worth the second fine because those definitely good are luck lucky right? shoes for Alvin Kamara. Yeah. So we expect to see him on Sunday afternoon. Another thing that we won't expect to see much of during the postseason is fans in stands. If the Cowboys had made it, there would have been 30,000 somehow at AT&T Stadium. Elsewhere, it's going to be, for the most part, fewer than 10,000. The Bills will have 6,700. The Saints will have 3,000 and only 3,000. That's roughly the size of the crowd that we saw on Friday night in the Superdome when Ohio State beat Clemson. 
Here's Sean Payton, coach of the Saints, talking about a plan that he kicked around for filling up the Superdome with a lot more than 3,000 people. You've got to be ready, ready. But I think this year, uniquely this year, look, the away games for any of these opponents is not as daunting maybe as it would be when you have to go in and deal with the crowd noise and all the other factors. I brought up the idea of testing 50,000 people and quarantining them in a hotel and having like the most (laughs) safest Superdome known to man. Scientifically, bus them. They've tested every day. And you've got a COVID-free facility. And I think... uh, I think that's possible. I don't know if it's taken off or not. Yeah, I was going to ask you how that plan went over. It can be done. But we focus on what we can control. After Sean Payton said that yesterday, plenty of the reporters who heard it thought he was joking. I can tell you with 100% certainty. That was not joking. He was not joking. Right. He was not joking. It didn't seem like it. Because I knew. I, listen, I knew about it. I knew about the planning. I had heard about the planning as it was happening, and it wasn't ripe yet to be discussed, and I wasn't authorized to talk about it, but I knew, I knew that they were at least trying different ideas, brainstorming different ideas for getting thousands of fans into the Superdome. Remember, there was one point this season, Chris, where reports started to surface and statements started to be issued that the Saints were thinking about playing at LSU Stadium in Baton Rouge because they would have had 25,000 people there. This gets into the specific politics between cities and counties and within states. Some jurisdictions, let them in. Other jurisdictions, no one gets in. So I think the NFL and the Saints particularly were trying to come up with ways to maybe – find a path to getting people into the Superdome. I don't think they ultimately want to play any of their games at Baton Rouge unless they absolutely have to, like no. we did back in 2005 after I did the hurricane. That. Right. But 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 they they wanted to get more people into the Superdome in a safe and appropriate way. And when you look around the league and you see over 10,000 fans in Cleveland or Kansas City and over 30,000 fans in Dallas and by all appearances, and, and who knows if you can trust the claims and the numbers and whatever, because who knows where people get COVID-19. You get it in so many different places, potentially. But when you look around and see so many fans at other games, it has to be frustrating when you're a coach of an NFL team saying, why can't we work something out here to do it? And Sean Payton tried. It didn't work, right. but he tried. Tried, and tried to do it the right way, too. It wasn't like he just tried to do it and was like, oh, the hell with it. This is what I want, and I'll break all the laws and rules and do it, well, you know. Sure, that's where I respect Sean. I also respect Sean because, hey, yes, he's one of the best head coaches we've seen in football over the last 20 years, but he's always very aware of the energy of his team, trying to motivate them, give them the advantage. He understands how hard it is to go play there with those fans, the energy it brings his team. It's daunting for the other team, but you know, he, he just I love him that he just exhausts all angles all the time. He really does. Whether it is going to LSU and playing there, which I did that in 2005. I was the quarterback for the Bucks. It wasn't that I, – I mean, it, it, it's a weird experience. I, I don't know how that would work out. But I re- appreciate Sean Payton that way. You know, his motivational tactics every Wednesday, what he does, all of those things. Uh, he's, he's just an all, all-in football guy all the time, and that's why I love him. I still worry about the Saints suffering the same fate that we yeah, saw in 2017, 2018, 2019. Me too. And it changes into that playoff format, that single elimination, that winner go home. They've had their hearts ripped out and shown to them three different times. Minneapolis Miracle, the controversial non-call of pass interference, and then last year's overtime game that ended in a controversial non-call of offensive pass interference that really didn't become as big of a thing as it could have been or should have been. Right. I think also because another game was starting right away and it was a lower level. It wasn't for a berth in the Super Bowl. But, but hey, I love Kyle Rudolph, but he pushed off. He pushed off. And nobody said boo about it. So the Saints you – know, and, and, and how do you – that's the real challenge. How do you get your guys to not that's, have that mindset I know. of it's going to get us. The snake's going to bite us in the butt at some point. We just don't know when. We don't know how. We don't know at which level. But at some point in the next three games, something's going to happen 
to keep us from getting to the Super Bowl. Well, I mean that that goes into everything you know we were just talking about. That's that's where Sean you know Sean Payton's amazing. You know, yes, I know this is like the playoffs, and what's he going to do here? And they've had their issues. But how does he get them to answer the bell year after year after year like he's done anyways with those crushing losses? How does he get the team? He's an unbelievable people skills, motivation, push the right buttons type of guy. And he just understands how to do that. You know, even a good example, again, was how coy he was about the quarterback issue and all that. He's always looking for a way to give his team an advantage there. I'm sure he did something this week, Mike. I'm sure to change the vibe or get him to think of something or showed him a, you know, an ex sports legend who might have lost two or three crushing losses and then came back to dominate the world and things like that. That that he'll do something like that to try to get him like, hey, we're not the first team or sports player to, you know, be knocked on the ground a few times. You know, but let's let's be like some of these greats, whether it's Muhammad Ali or whatever. And that's where he's amazing. He just finds ways to motivate his players and, and put a positive vibe and thought in their head. I think the challenge for something like this is how far do you go in pointing it out? How much of it yeah, do you right. talk about? Don't want to make because it too big of a thing. If you, if you make it too big of a thing, mm-hmm. that makes that nagging feeling bigger than maybe it would have been. Right, because right. no matter what they do on the surface, there's still going to be that nagging feeling that here it comes, here it comes, here it comes. And that's the challenge psychologically, and it's going to be there. Wild card, divisional round, NFC championship, if they keep winning, that sense in any of those games, at a critical moment, the boom is going to be lowered on the Saints and bust goes their Super Bowl run. So... Look, only two teams are going to make it. So chances are, right, out of 14 teams, for 12 of them, they're going to lose, and some of them may lose in a way that they regard as spectacular and horribly deflating. But it is a testament to Sean Payton that he keeps them coming back for more. They keep having special seasons and getting back in position to play in these games. So whatever that vibe is from week one through week 17, Chris, that gets them to, to move on, that needs to carry over into the postseason. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it, it, you know, this week it, it maybe is bigger than just, hey, winning on the field. We know that. But maybe if they get a win, you know, that's the kind of thing, too, that kind of washes the bad memories out of your, you know, your brain that way. Hey, the last two times they've been on the field in playoff games, yeah, they've kind of gotten screwed over. There's no there's no doubt. You could certainly make that, that case. You know, last year I do think the defender – initially started contact on on Rudolph and then Rudolph pushed off. That's the only thing where I don't find it as egregious as the year before and all that. But, you know, still, you know, the fact that they continue to answer the bell and do those things and now maybe if they can get to the playoffs, get a win and get the vibes going, you know, maybe that'll go a long way to the, giving them confidence and making a run here in the playoffs. I do think we're all a little bit you know, swiping the, 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 the Saints under the rug a little bit in the Super Bowl conversation. I do. I think they're a Super Bowl football team. There's no doubt about that. But I don't think they're quite getting the attention they deserve because of those last two postseason losses, and we're not sure if they can make it through. They need to win one. Yeah, that's what I mean. Way similar to the way they've lost. Maybe them. that's the key. It's not just win. Right. It's have one of these crazy moments at the end of the game. Go your go way. their way. Right. That's the way to exercise that demon. Let's take a break because the Jaguars got some good news. Expected news yesterday, but they got some good news. And now the question is, what will they do about it? We'll discuss that when PFT Live continues right after this. There is your top 10 in the 2021 NFL Draft. The Jaguars, air quotes, earned the number one overall pick. They did it the old-fashioned way. They lost 15 games in a row. They now have dibs on the man who declared yesterday, Chris, that he's entering the draft. Oh, yeah. quarterback, Trevor Lawrence. Clearly the best prospect. choking over there? Yeah, you know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's okay. Go ahead. I don't know what happened. I don't it's know what right. I'm choking on. Sometimes, you know, that all happens. Sudden, That's all right. I'm 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 getting emotional about the prospect of the Jaguars actually having a quarterback <laughs> who was put on earth to throw a football. <laughs> You're funny. They, they didn't have one <laughs> for a while. When they had the third overall pick, they took Blake Bortles, and we know how that worked out. Trevor Lawrence in a much better position to thrive in Jacksonville. 
Now the question becomes, yeah, who will the coach be? Who will the GM be? And and is this the guy that 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 new regime wants? We assume it will be because Lawrence is so widely regarded as a top prospect. But if Urban Meyer gets that job, yeah, I know, I can't rule out a flip flop with the Jets. Let the Jets get the number one pick, pick up some draft capital in return, and then take Justin Fields. Urban Meyer recruited Justin Fields to Ohio State. How could you? How could you rule that out if indeed Meyer gets that job? I don't. I don't think that's a crazy thought. I don't. Not at all. And especially, listen. You know, if you have Fields anywhere close to Trevor Lawrence in your evaluation process, it doesn't even have to be, oh, he's better than him. But, hey, we have him as, you know, equal grades or maybe a notch below, but we still think our grade says that he's a year one starter and by year three and four he could be a Pro Bowl type player then you do think about making that type of move. You know, there's no doubt. If you feel that confident that that guy can run the, you know, the system with you, know, you want to run as a head coach and all of that, then that is certainly a possibility. I don't know if that's going to happen. Listen, I think Justin Fields certainly in the conversation with Trevor Lawrence. My you know, TV scouting would say still I would still say Trevor Lawrence is clearly – the number one guy, in my opinion. Fields has a lot of things to like. There's no doubt about it. But it really reminds me of a little bit more of a athletic version of a Dak Prescott on the field. That's what I, I kind of look at him like. That's pretty damn good quarterback, if you ask me. I like that. But I think Trevor Lawrence has a chance to be, you know, a superstar in his own right, like a Justin Herbert and come in and do what he did this year, too. So it's going to be interesting conversation how it plays out. The Urban Meyer thing, to your point, Mike, is very intriguing just to see, yeah, could it add that wrinkle? And then, of course, it's going to add more speculation and movement there towards the top of the draft, which could be you know fun during the offseason too. One thing we know about the NFL and specifically the scouting process in advance of the draft, it is extremely inexact, and there are evaluators who become smitten by great performances on big college no stages because right. they try to draw the line between stepping up in that moment and stepping up week in and week out when the competition level is at its highest yep. at the NFL. And that's why the Justin Fields performance last Friday night at a minimum gives the Jaguars something to think about. And I know there are plenty of people who will wag their fingers and say, no, Trevor Lawrence is clearly number one. Okay, he still may be number one, but Justin Fields whooped his butt head to head. And there will be evaluators who look at that and say, in that moment, in that spot, one guy stepped up yeah. and the other guy stepped off. Sure. And it hurts Trevor Lawrence potentially and it helps Justin Fields potentially. Not that it it ultimately should matter, but we know from experience that it does influence people who are looking for folks who will perform on big stages. Sure. I I, I don't I you're right. You know, there is going to be, I think, a certain amount of NFL evaluators who will become smitten with that performance and try to justify maybe other, you know, flaws you've seen in the game and just go, well, yeah, but look at what I saw there. And I understand that. Listen, part of evaluating a football player is looking at his actual, actual absolute best and going, wait, okay, that's his best. Can he consistently do that? And I think that question is out there with Justin Fields. I think he's very capable of maybe being that guy. You know, there's a there's there's a little bit of like one mechanical flaw I don't like about Justin Fields throwing that bothers me a little. But I haven't got the deep dive and really really studied these guys yet, Mike. You know, Fields has a little bit of this. He leads with his elbow to throw, and that can lead to the ball going all over the place. You're not really using your body. It becomes a little bit too much of an arm throw. That's what he does. It's a little bit like Carson Wentz, who also has some accuracy issues at times because it starts like this instead of where you see a Brady where the whole body goes. You and me have done that before. When we were at the Super Bowl a few years ago, Rodgers, Brady, they used to torque their body. And that's just a flaw. I don't mean to get so in the weeds here with football talk. Um, but it's something to watch for as we go through this process. But either way, both of these guys are, are really good football players. Something else to watch for is whether or not Trevor Lawrence will welcome going to Jacksonville. Mm, and yeah. look, Jaguars fans, and, and I know it's been a rough year for you, but l l let's face it, to the extent that 
one or more than one home games every year will be played in London, you need to have guys who are willing to sign on for that. And the draft makes them sign on for it whether they want to or not. But Trevor Lawrence has far more leverage than a sixth-round pick would have. If Trevor Lawrence looks at the lay of the land and wonders as the NFL continues to grow its schedule, how many times per year am I going to be playing in London when I really don't want to play in London or my fiance isn't all that interested in all these trips to London? Now, maybe they are. Maybe they are. But that's another dynamic to this as well. It could be an attraction or it could be something that that makes him recoil along with the fact that the team has a history of not being very good and we need to see who the coach and the GM will be. I think Trevor Lawrence can't make any final decisions about whether or not he will try to engineer a way out of Jacksonville until he knows what he's getting into in Jacksonville. Sure. And, and, and a lot of that will be determined in the coming days and weeks. And he has plenty of time. If he's going to try to engineer something behind the scenes, he has until late April to pull that off. Chris. Yeah, he does. That's right. And then, yeah, it's early stages. He just will wait, see who who the head coach is, what what direction they're going to go as a football team, you know. But I, I, you know, I, I mean, again, just like we talked about a while ago with the New York Jets, and would you really want to go there and do that? You know, yeah, the Jaguars are in a bad state. We know that, but there's some young talent. There's some young talent on the offensive side of the ball where I do think like Trevor Lawrence could go in there and. And move the ball, and they can make plays right away. I do. I, I mean, he could he could take the league by storm that way on the offensive side of the ball, like Herbert did this year, you know. And I I would think he would almost relish the opportunity. Jacksonville, who's been mediocre at best throughout their you know livelihood in the NFL, their existence since the '90s, he might might appeal. You know, there's two things I would think would go in Jacksonville's favor. You know, the fact that of where they are. He grew up in Georgia. It's not far away. You know, he knows that region. His family's going to be very accessible for them to go there and do that. You know, and then the you know the England thing. That's a real question. His name is Lawrence. That's a nice English last name, and he might relish the fact of like, hey, I can be a global superstar playing on this team. I can go over there twice a year, dominate on really a world stage a little bit there, and. All of a sudden, I'm I'm the most global guy in the sport. I would find that kind of appealing if I was, you know, coming out and and relish that opportunity. Oh, you're absolutely right. We just don't know what he feels about yeah. it yet, and that's a factor to keep an eye on. And and look, I like the idea of having that opportunity to go create a legacy with a team that has none. Yeah. Most of the teams out there have something they can point to in the rearview mirror where they've got great players who did this. They got to a Super Bowl. They won a Super Bowl. Jaguars have gotten to an AFC championship game and no farther. They've been around for 25 years now, and they've never been to a Super Bowl. And Lawrence could be the guy who gets in there, and that could be the thing that attracts him. Right. I want to go to Jacksonville. Job number one, though, and it's been very quiet coming out of Jacksonville. What are they going to do at coach? Is it going to be Urban Meyer? Is it going to be someone else? We're going to take a break. We'll have more PFT Live for you right after this. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. 